back. The third act. As Kevin says, the trilogy is going to be completed tonight. Welcome back, everyone, for First Pitch 305, Episode 9. I am your host, Alex Aguirre, and we are completing the trifecta, the third act, with Kevin Barral from Fist Stripes and Andres Bolivar from Con Las Bases Llenas. Gentlemen, another episode with you guys. I'm glad you're back. Thank you for your time and coming back on the show. What's going on, guys? Man, it's good to be back. As I mentioned off camera, this is the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Always good to talk to both of you. We always have a good time in the press box. You currently have Sandy Alcantara possibly throwing the Maddox. So we'll see if he gets that done. So I'm excited, man. We do have a good amount to talk about today. Yes, we do. Even though it's been some rough waters recently for the Miami Marlins, there is plenty to talk about still in regards to them, their upcoming opponents, letting the young guys play. We're going to get into that in a bit. But yeah, right now we're currently recording this episode August 10th, which is a Wednesday night. And it's the middle of a game or close to the end of a game between the Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies in game two of their series. Um, just giving you guys a heads up, Kevin, Andres, and I will be in attendance for the first couple of games of the homestand, upcoming homestand against the Atlanta Braves. So be, be sure to be on Twitter and looking for our updates and things like that. All of our content from Lemon City Live, Fist Stripes, and Con Las Bases Llenas. So we're gonna, there's plenty of stuff to talk about in the upcoming homestand. But right now, we're, we're going to talk about some of the... Like I said, the young guys, they're getting their a chance to play. And little by little, they've been getting called up. The most recent name that has been called up was over the weekend, the weekend series against Chicago. Even though the Marlins only won the series finale, they won one out of the three. We get we, we were able to, to see Peyton Burdick, another name, especially you guys at Fist Stripes. You guys have been talking about him a lot, you know, and Kevin and Alex Carver, his, he's extremely knowledgeable about what's going on in the minor league system with Miami, but we're now we finally got to see Peyton Burdick at the major league level. So let's get into some of that uh, a bit. Kevin, I know he, it's a small sample size, but we're seeing an, another um, young player, in Miami system, finally get their number called. So what have you seen with Peyton Burdick? I know he's been playing uh, another option at center field, but Jay was playing there before and now Burdick is getting time in center field. So get, what is your take on him so far? So first we have to start with the fact that they're actually calling guys up. It's it's impressive, right. and we'll get into the other guys soon. But mm-hmm. Burdick was a guy that a lot of us pretty much vouched for to be up in the major leagues this past se- last year in 2021. Got off to a very, very rough start in 2022, but picked it up towards the point where he really did get deser- and got the call up and deserved it as well. You know, this is a guy who hits for a lot of power. He's a very built guy. I mean, you, you could see him. And uh, it's surprising that he didn't play him in center field from the get-go right when he got up because that is the position he's been playing a lot of this season. Very surprised that he didn't play it, but, you know, he's playing it now. He's hitting ninth. Very interesting as well. They have him hitting right under Stallings, but I guess the guy's been a little bit hot, so we'll see. Uh, I love this call-up, man. I mean, I know he had a rough series in Chicago. He had his first hit, and he also had his first homer, so – He's kind of getting it going here. Hopefully, he also gets it going in this series against the Phillies. I'm, I'm not sure. I've been watching too much lately. I don't know if he got a hit or two already in this series. But we talk about Burdick. I mean, this is definitely a guy who they could use for the future. And we're starting to see these young guys that we've been talking about for the past couple of seasons finally make their way to the big leagues in Blade and Burdick. So I'm loving it. I, I love the call up. And, and there's another freaking hit because we're watching this right now. Hopefully, a run doesn't score. Oh, yeah, just a little update. Yeah. Just a little update on that, on that run being scored. Marlins are playing against the Phillies. Sandy, as you said, was pitching 
he is into the eighth inning, but the first two run, uh, batters of that inning reached base. And then Brandon Marsh, their uh, newly acquired player from the Angels, hitting ninth for them. He hit, gets a base hit up the middle and a run score. So the score is now three to two with runners on the corners and no outs. I think this might be the end of the line for Sandy, you know. Um, but another, another good start. Um, they're showing the replay right Amazing now. Start. I don't know if he is going to be in the game yet. But I like what I do know for sure is our the third person of our trifecta, Andres. He is on. Andres, my man, how you doing? Como esta? Hi, Alex. Hi, Kevin. Otra vez feliz de estar acá. Eh, estaba viendo, estamos viendo en estos momentos, como dijo Kevin, el, el, otra salida más de Sander Cantara. Lastimosamente se está complicando en el octavo inning ante los Phillies de Filadelfia. Uh, no sé si va a continuar o lo van a dejar. El punto es que ha sido muy interesante ver a los novatos de los Marlins de Miami ver acción. Eh, me, me gusta mucho ver a J.J. Blake Day siendo el, el jardinero eh, de casi todos los días en el, en el left field. Eh, hoy, y ya también sucedió el día de ayer, el pasado, estamos hoy aquí, miércoles, el pasado martes, Yeah. También usaron a J.J. Day y Charles LeBlanc uh, uno detrás de otro, back to back, en el line-up. Y es interesante ver esta combinación. La serie contra Filadelfia para, para LeBlanc ha sido, bueno, para LeBlanc desde que debutó ha sido impresionante, pero para J.J. Day ha sido bastante interesante. Ha puesto números muy buenos. Eh, probablemente quienes nos escuchan, no sé si vieron cuadrangular en el primer juego de la serie, Ahora, en el, en el segundo, le faltaría el cuadrangular para com completar el ciclo, pero es, es muy llamativo verlos. Lastimosamente, Lewin Díaz no ha tenido el, el mismo resultado que, que, estos, eh, que estos tres que ya mencionamos, porque también está Patrick Bortek, pero me gusta y hace, y hace a los Marlins más divertidos. Como dijo Kevin antes de que empezara el, el juego, eh, dejen que los niños jueguen. And I couldn't agree more with you, Andres. Yes, they were finally getting the opportunity to see the kids play. Um, Blade, I've been extremely um, impressed with his at-bats. He's working the count. Obviously, the numbers haven't, you know, been there as we like to see. But we like we are seeing him working the count, um, you know, looking for the pitches that he knows that he can um, hit well and he can dominate on. Um, and a little update on that game that we um, are talking about with Miami and Philadelphia. Philadelphia has tied the game. Kyle Schwarber has had... Um, Sandy's number pretty much all night. He's had a couple of base yeah. hits, an, an RBI double earlier in the game. He just ripped an RBI single to right field. It's for runners on first and third again with no outs, and it is a tie game, three up. to three. Man, yes, Anthony Bender is warming up in Miami's bullpen, and before that, Schwarber at bat, pitching coach Mel Stoudemire went out there to talk to Sandy. So um, next mound visit, he's out of the game if it's in, if he's still in this inning. But right now, double play, sacrificing a run, I think might be Miami's um, best option right here. But continuing on with the episode, it, it, it just sucks to see Sandy struggling right now, especially when we're, when we're recording the episode. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. Right? Um, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know what is crazy? Like, after amazing, like, because it's amazing. It's just the inning is kind of struggling. He's struggling. But he can lose the game. And that's that's tough, and that sucks. Right, he can Basically. be on the losing end. He can be the losing pitcher. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And even though he's pitched his tail off and entering the eighth inning, his pitch count was at seventy-one. So he, he was in good shape to can you know even finish off the game. But especially with with the way he's pitching now, I, I think they're more focused on just trying to get out of that jam and and stay in and you know in a competitive game to try to win it. 
But let's go back to the young guys here because we mentioned a little bit Burdick. You know, it's very small sample size, a handful of games. But day he's coming to his own. What you see is what you get, a power hitter that he can play all three outfield positions. But I like I like him more in the corner outfield spot. What I will say is, though, because Andres mentioned it earlier as well, that, you know, he he's a home run away from hitting the cycle. It's probably not going to happen um, in this game. That's it's already the eighth inning. But, it, you know, it... It reminds because the Marlins are, are are one of the teams that have never had a player hit for the cycle in their franchise history, and it reminds me of when Giancarlo Stanton first came up to the big leagues in 2010, I believe. Um, he when he first came up because you know with his youth and his speed and whatnot, even though for his size, he was one of the guys saying, "Hey, he can probably hit for the cycle," and he, he's gotten close to it in his Marlins tenure. He didn't get to it, but he, but today here comes another prospect, and his speed was one of the main things that was so shocking to me when I finally saw him at the big league level. But wow, he's yeah. a lot faster than I thought. So Andres, you make a good point. Who knows the, the Marlins? The Marlins have, might have a player that can hit for the cycle for them. It's 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 fun to see, and he has some le- and left-handed pop as well. Because we we have we have Encarnacion, um, LeBlanc. We'll get to in a bit as well. They're right-handed hitters, so it's good to see a left-handed hitting prospect, you know, with some pop that can produce at the major league level. Now, oh my God, no! Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, so just just for so you know, guys, um, line out to Miguel and well, I I guess it's a double play. They're gonna check the the, the play right now, but. Could be a double play, and that's, that's going to be play. just one runner and first base. We, we'll Definitely see what that's happens. A double play. LeBlanc uh, needs to be on the bag. We're, we're going to get to him in a bit. <laughs> He's had a couple of blunders here in his first couple of yeah, games at the big league level. It's out. Uh, it's definitely now looking out. at the replay. Yeah, it's out. Yeah, it's yeah, out. yeah. Could we, I wanted could to mention there. quickly about Blade because just yeah, since that first it. at-bat, this guy has been taking some of the most professional at-bats I've seen from any guy on this team. That first that bat when he got the walk in the Pittsburgh game, that was amazing. And, and yes, it was a walk and all, but wow, just the guy with the, the patience that he that he's been playing with at, and you know, not only offensively, but just defensively as well. This guy in center field hasn't looked bad at all, by the way. He made some nope. nice plays. We were there for one of them. It was the it was the Mets game where he he made that diving that sliding catch in that Sandy game. Very mm-hmm. impressive. It was this guy really, I think, could amount to be something really, really good, and and I'm, and I'm hoping that he does, man, because it's going to be a big help with how bad Avi Garcia and Jorge Soler have been this season. Definitely a big boost in this team, and finally, we're starting to see one of this a prospect that the Marlins have been able to develop from start to finish finally have success at the major league level, which there isn't much of due to the lack of hitting development in this organization. You're right. Yeah, like if you know, the names obviously come to mind: Brinson, Harrison, Sierra, all those guys from Marlins past. But um, the current Marlins, especially the young players, Charles LeBlanc, who was part of that double play that Andres was talking about, that's you know helping Sandy ho- hopefully get out of this eighth inning jam and at a tie ball game. But LeBlanc, um, you know, started I think two weeks ago. Now he's been at the big league level for a couple of weeks, and he's hitting over 400, 441 to be exact. And what I've liked about him, and Kevin and Andres can talk about this as well because they've seen firsthand what he's been doing. He's hitting the ball hard uh, to all parts of the field. You know, he pulls the ball, I get it, but he's he, even the lineouts and the flyouts, deep right center, right field, you know, he's hitting the ball up the middle as well. You know, to hit over 400, you can't be dead pulling the ball all the time. So even for a two-week uh, span, you can't be just a one-dimensional hitter like that. So... 
Um, and then LeBlanc, he's holding it down at third base. Um, you know, he it looks like right now, like the main option for the <clears throat> excuse me for the future at that hot, at the hot corner. And another prospect that's producing, finally producing at the big league level. I get it; these games aren't as meaningful as we want it to be down the season and down the stretch. But at this point, like like you mentioned in episodes earlier with Kevin and Andres, if there's one identity that identity that uh, one route that the team should take, it's this one. It's letting the kids play. So LeBlanc, you know, Blade, he's performing well. Who knows? We might see Encarnacion later in the year. Um, Burdick, he's going to get his reps. Yeah, no, it, this is it, bad. It, oh, Did they get him? Yeah, no. The, no, yeah, I paused there too because like there was a play going on behind me. Yeah, so it's a hit for Alelab. Oh, it's safe. Safe yeah. in third place. Yeah. So now they have runners again with first and third, but two outs now. So they are, the Phillies are not are not letting Sandy breathe. And I just lost service on the television. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So they, well, no, more, we didn't lose service drama. in the podcast, but but there's more drama. I guess I don't know if it's my TV or Bali Sports. No, no, but we it's, don't know. It's your, it's your TV because I'm watching Bali Sports in my computer right now. Then what the heck's going on? So I'm just gonna leave it like that. <laughs> so like I don't know, but I will like you let us know. You, you let us know. Letting us like we're not gonna like they're not gonna see what happened right now. The people who is listening to the podcast. No, they're not going to know. But no. then again, this is going to come out the next day, so it's okay. Um. <laughs> okay, algo importante de, de que quería... Me llama mucho la atención de, de Charles LeBlanc y, y aprovechando que juegan contra, contra Filadelfia, se me parece mucho a Alec Bond. Tiene, tiene mucho de Alec Bond y quizás no lo he visto y quizás es porque está empezando, uh, pero le falta un poco de seguridad en la tercera base. Eh, tengo entendido que él es, él es utility, es capaz de jugar casi en todas las posiciones del, del campo. Uh, en estos momentos, JT Realmuto uh, conecta hit y los files de Filadelfia toman ventaja en la parte baja del octavo inning. Eh, Sandy se iría del encuentro perdiendo. Pero sí, se me parece mucho a, a Alec Bond. Me gustaría verlo en otra posición y eso me imagino que sucederá cuando, cuando uh, Brian Anderson vuelva a line up. But yeah, so yeah, that's, and that's a good, that's one thing a good... I want to mention with, with LeBlanc. Oh yeah, go for it. I'm sorry, Alex. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention no, with LeBlanc it. is you mentioned future third baseman. He's 26. Yeah. We have to keep that in mind. He's kind of up there in age. He could be a good placeholder for the time being until maybe one of these younger guys comes up. But mm, okay, you have Wendell, you have BA at the moment, you have Jazz, you have Miggy Rowe, you know, and Groshans, which we'll get into in a bit. They they have to start making decisions. Maybe LeBlanc is a good utility guy. Maybe that's what his best role would be. Not a starting third baseman because maybe you have a guy like Groshans there. Or, you know, because I think Wendell may be the best option at shortstop for next season. Unless you want to go Groshans, a young, controllable guy, which is what is a need and we'll get into in a bit. But, yeah, it, it's so difficult how this roster is currently constructed to be thinking if this guy's the future or not. Yes, Jazz is the future. Sandy's the future. Lewin, the way he's been playing, it doesn't look like he's going to be the future. You know? Right. We'll have to see, but LeBlanc is definitely putting up an amazing season so far. I mean, he he has been very impressive in my eyes. This is a guy who Alex Carver, we, what you mentioned earlier, has been mentioning this guy at least every single day until he got his major league call up because it's it's something that had to happen. You know, this team was trying to win. LeBlanc was the guy to have on your team, and they didn't do that. And now they're seeing why he should have been called up a lot earlier than he was, you know, currently called up. 
Yeah, it would have been nice seeing those base knocks that LeBlanc is getting right now earlier in the season when they were still in a competitive wild card race. Um, but too little, too late. Um, you know, I guess the Marlins have their have their reasons for it. But now we have the opportunity to see, I guess, like you said, maybe a placeholder, a utility guy. He does have experience playing the outfield in the, at the minor league level. And that's good, though, because the Mons do look for players like that, guys who can move around the, the diamond, you know, guys who can you know play multiple positions because at, at the end of the day, it can, you know, give their career more life and more years, add more years to it. So it's just not, it's just, it's just going to be nothing but better for him if he can, you know, hold it down in other positions. Um, so we have LeBlanc, Blade, Lewin Diaz hasn't been like his bat has not been coming around yet. We all know he's yep. really, really good at first base with the glove, and he's a big target. He's tall, he's athletic, he can stretch, he can you can he can pick, you know, so he can do everything well defensively. We just haven't seen that bat come around. That's another left-handed bat, especially with him. He, you know, he's got that long swing, kind of reminds you of like Daryl Strawberry in a way that he's tall and lean like that, you know. So, but the bat hasn't come around. So that's just another player that we just got to hold maybe for next season. But that's the that's the good part about the remainder of this season is to see what Diaz has, if LeBlanc can hold it down at third base. And another player that maybe we're not going to see for this season, he's going to probably get more reps to, to play every day at the minor league level. But Groshans, the player that the Marlins got in return for the Anthony Bass and Zach Pop and a player to be named later. Um, you know, Kevin, Andres, let's talk about him a bit. You know, what, like, what can you said? Me mentioned shortstop. I know Kim in that press conference, Kim Ang, she talked about him getting playing time at their base. You know, what, what his future uh, is, um, near future, I guess, is with the team maybe getting playing time at the major league level, finishing off at the minor league level. So, let's start off with you, Kevin. What do you think he will provide for the team? Um, let's just say for 2023. Okay, so let's start with the trade first because it was a very interesting trade. They gave up a lot to receive a top 100 guy, and fair enough. Top 100 guy, young, controllable shortstop. Yeah, he plays shortstop. They project him at third. I would like to see him play a little bit of both just to see where he fits more. But uh, this was coming from Aram. Uh, he's on Twitter a lot. You may know him. Uh, he, he he mentions a guy like – he was on Jeopardy, funny enough. He was the guy on Jeopardy. Yeah. He, um, he mentioned that – the Blue Jays were basically ready to shift Groshans to third for sure full time. But, you know, he got dealt, obviously, to Miami. But I would love to see him as short, man. I mean, if, if he could at least give you some good defense, not just Chisholm type defense that we saw from him in 2021, I would I would love it because they need a shortstop. Miggy Rose getting older. You know, you, you have to decide what you want to do. But, man, Groshans, offen Groshans offensively is kind of iffy as well. It's a very weird set. He walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a lot, but he has hit only one homer in like 279 plate appearances, something like that. So his power is super limited, but when it comes to getting hits, he gets hits and he gets on base at a very, very high rate. So that is something that Miami needs. And yeah, it, it's something that I guess you could even say with him getting on base, it'll capitalize this offense and get it to the next level and get runners actually in score motion, and they'll get them inside in home plate, which has been one of the biggest, biggest, you know, one of the worst type of things that's happened for this team this season, just the lack of run support or the lack of being able to score runs with guys in scoring position. Groshans could help you out a little bit on that department, able to get on base at such a high rate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the Marlins, like Madeline has said it himself, we have too many of the same type of players. Now, I don't know if Madeline's going to be here, and be part of the Marlins' plans for next season. That's an, another conversation for another day. 
Um, but he did mention that there's too many of the same type of players on this on this in this lineup, and not a lot of contact guys. Yeah, they have Wendell and Mickey Rose supposed to be one of those type of players, contact heavy. You know, gets on base, but it really hasn't panned out for him this season. He's been up, very up and down. So it does give give I guess a new look or a new perspective into this lineup. Um, I do hope he's part of their plans for next season because yeah, I would do like to see different options uh, at third base, at shortstop. You know, Miggy Rowe is getting up there in age. So, yeah, it does give Marlins more flexibility on the left side of the infield. We don't know the future for Brian Anderson. We'll get into him, like, what, what's going to be going on with him, like, soon this week. But for next season, we don't know. So they have some flexibility with Wendell as well. He can play all over the, the infield. So they'll be fine, I guess, with that. But, Andres, I want to get your take on the trades. I know we talked about it that we uh, last time I had you guys on. It was the day before the trade deadline, so the trade has been completed. I want to get what you think about the trade with Toronto. Um, me pareció, I mean, um, si tú si tú me hubieses dicho al, al al inicio de la temporada que los Marlins iban a recibir a dos a un prospecto top 100, top número 4 de una franquicia por dos lanzadores relevistas, te digo que estás loco que estás loco, que eso no iba a suceder. Creo que por ese lado uh, lo hicieron bien. Ahora, los Marlins tienen dos shortstop dentro de sus prospectos en la granja. ¿Qué tanta profundidad necesitas tú en el campo corto? Evidentemente la situación con, con Watson no es la mejor uh, por, lo, por lo sucedido en ligas menores, pero igual sigue siendo uno de, de los mejores prospectos que tienes y, y el talento lo tiene. Entonces, Um, pensar en, en que bueno alguno de estos tres eh, será de la talla como para ser el próximo shortstop de la franquicia uh, creo que los Marlins le faltaron evidentemente quizás moverse un poco más y pensar en, en, en la temporada que viene, creo que se quedaron muy cortos con eso, Kevin y yo tuvimos una pues, como bastante información de lo que estaban buscando los, los Marlins en el mercado uh, me atrevo a decir que era mucho Creo que era mucho lo que querían con, con Pablo López. Eh, fue, uh -huh. fue bueno intentarlo. Fue al menos saber que, que se la querían jugar. Y creo que no solo los Marlins, sino creo que este mercado, muchos equipos, como que el valor no, estaba, no estaban tocando como el, pie, el, el piso con los pies. No tenían los pies sobre la tierra. Eh, uh -huh. eh, creo que eso también llevó lo de Juan Soto, que, que vamos a hablar después, um, llevó a, a ver los equipos lo que iban a entregar por Juan Soto pero sin ir muy lejos para los equipos, muchos se preguntaron por qué eh, Wilson Contreras no salió de los Cops que, que se despidió y, y, pero no sucedió nada bueno, los Cops querían al menos cuatro prospectos por un, por un queche, entonces eh, también tengo la, esa, esa prioridad de escribir para Tampa, Tampa Bay necesitaba un catcher pero Tampa Bay no iba a renovar a Williams Contreras después de esta temporada, quedándole un solo año de contrato. Entonces, entregarte cuatro prospectos por un catcher, que además no lo voy a tener, que va a ser como de rental, no es viable. Y creo que no es viable para ningún equipo ahorita de la MLB. Entonces creo que los precios estaban un poco fuera de control y creo que eso tampoco ayudó a los Marlins. Pero en cuanto a su adquisición a, del, del campo corto, oh, creo que es aceptable y habrá que ver qué, qué sucede con él. Me da risa porque a Matini le preguntaron que qué opinaba del jugador y simplemente dijo, no, no, no sé nada de él. He visto un par de videos ahorita y, y, y ya, no, no sé más nada. Yeah, he really doesn't. And it's funny you mentioned other trades. Like, obviously, the Marlins, Pablo 
because it's still in a Marlins uniform. So, and they asked a lot for him for, for a good reason because they, they, you know, they laid out the market compared to what the Reds got in return for Luis Castillo, who was another really good pitcher, you know, just like Pablo Lopez. And then, you know, for Wilson Contreras, I get it. The market is very thin for catchers, but then, but also he's not that young either. And they were asking a lot for, for, for Wilson. Um, you know, one of the, they're probably their biggest trade ship in Chicago, but he's still in a Cubs uniform. So it just shows you, um, I guess that the, the landscape at the trade deadline, I guess wasn't as, it was hectic, but it wasn't, I guess, as hectic or as, um, obvious as many people expected. The many of the obvious names that were expected to be moved did not get moved, you know? So, um, but one name that has been around on the trade market for quite some time now and did get moved was Juan Soto and the Miami Marlins have seen plenty of him in a Washington Nationals uniform, and at least he's going to be out of the division. So, you know, he won't be killing the Marlins all the time. But the Marlins will be facing against Juan Soto and the San Diego Padres um, next week. So next Monday. So in, in a little, in like about like less than a week, they'll be playing against the Padres. First, they're going to have a weekend series against the Braves. But I want to jump right into that Padres team. I don't really want to give the X's and O's of, of that series against the Marlins. But I want to talk to you guys about that team. Because I feel like that's like the Padres and that Juan Soto trade headlined the trade deadline. But Andres, and I didn't even notice this. Andres mentioned this before um, we started recording. Um, that when Juan Soto got traded to the Padres, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows right, right away. Even though they assembled this you know quote-unquote dream team. It wasn't all happy-go-lucky. Andres, what, what happened with after the Juan Soto trade? Uh, uh, what, and what happened with the Padres and their team? So Soto get uh, the Padres get Soto and right. since since that happened, the Padres get seats uh, like seats lose in in a row, right? Um, and they they finally uh, find a, a win this Tuesday against the Giants. So seis juegos consecutivos perdiendo. Y, y ¿sabes? llama mucho la atención por, por todo lo que dices, eh, todo lo que se esperaba que hiciera Juan Soto y llegó y los padres no consiguieron. De hecho, fueron barridos antes de la serie. Los gigantes jugaron contra, tendría que buscar porque no recuerdo, pero sé que fueron barridos en su serie anterior. No sé si fue contra los marineros de Seattle. Déjame chequear. Pero el punto fue que fueron barridos y ahorita fue que, que pudieron encontrar la victoria. A pesar de que Juan Soto conectó su primer cuadrangular, Uh, fue entre los Dodgers, perdieron, perdieron tres contra uh -huh. los Dodgers, uno contra Colorado y uno contra San Francisco. So fueron cinco, cinco juegos en fila perdiendo, no seis, cinco juegos en fila perdiendo desde que adquirieron a Soto. That's interesting. That's extremely interesting. Losing five games in a row after you acquired the best player on the trade market and arguably one of the top five um, position player in all of Major League Baseball. You know, so it's very interesting to see how that trade, uh, you know, pans out. It's not going to be a rental. He has a couple of years of control, um, you know, for on his contract. So and I don't see the, the Padres using him as a rental because, the, you know, Tatis is, you know, finishing up his rehab and he's going to be playing soon. He's been, he's playing a, a, a few um, rehab games at the minor league level. He'll be back soon. I'm, that's going to be a great shot on the arm for them and, and their lineup. And he'll be back, I guess, when... I would assume when they when they come to Miami and, and they play against the Marlins, so that's going to be even a, a tougher series when he returns because he that's another massive threat in that lineup. 
I'm looking forward to that to that to that series. And people forget, like, yes, they they made that trade for Juan Soto, but look at that pitching rotation. It is not something to scoff at at all, at all. Look hmm. at the names that they have in that in, in that pitching rotation, and you know Musgrove, um, Blake Snell. You know they have they have a, like they're they're loaded from from start to from from start from top to bottom, you know. And so it's going to be a tough series. It's going to be, but it's going to be fun seeing all those big names. That's what I look forward to now when we go to those games. It's seeing those all those big names on the opposing team, <laughs> you know, because they do bring a lot of excitement. And I'm, I guarantee, and I think Kevin, I think you you mentioned it a couple last week when we were in the press box. That series, in terms of attendance, is going to be nice. In turn, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be kind of like a Met series, I think. That a lot of those fans are going to be there to see Tatis. Sure. So, so, you know, it's an, it's a fun, exciting team to watch. They got a, a little bit of everything: speed, power, pitching. You know, a good bullpen. Oh, and let's not forget, didn't they trade for Milwaukee's closer? Um, I'm the lefty. I'm, I'm drawing Josh a Hader. blank right now. Josh Hader. Then they trade for him. So they, there you go. So like they're forming like a, this, this dream team, and it's not the first time we see San Diego do this. Remember, about a decade ago, they tried doing this with the Upton brothers and Matt Kemp. And James Shields and all these type of names, so it's good to see them get it right or, lo- or getting it right at least because they were close last year. And I think last year for them in their eyes was a bit of a disappointment not making the playoffs and having a deep run with that squad, you know. So I think Soto will be that take. Obviously, a player like Soto can take them to the next level, and he knows what it takes to win a World Series with Washington a few years back. So Kevin, um, talk to me. I want to get I want to get all your takes on on this, uh, even you, Andres. But Kevin, let's start off with you. What do you think about the San Diego get landing Juan Soto when there was other teams in the mix as well? Um, but so San Diego has him. He he's assembling kind of like this dream team as I mentioned. What do you think overall about the trade, dude? This just this this shows just how aggressive AJ Preller was at this deadline. You know he was willing to part ways with his future for for a guy that's going to help you not only now but in the next couple of seasons as well as possibly if he even gets that contract if he probably goes out there and is aggressive enough to offer him a contract extension he gets that done you know that will be just an amazing trade and not only that he acquired josh bell on top of that with juan soto so you now have your dh position filled out you were able to trade away eric hosmer to boston you got rid of luke voigt to the nationals in that trade you acquired yourself josh Hader. it just shows how good this padres team is and how good it's going to be they were in that wild card you know situation there but now they've pretty much put themselves into the wild card and i know andres mentioned that they lost a good amount of games but it still shows that in the long run this team's going to be really damn good and fernando tatis isn't even back yet so right. that's going to be another technically a trade deadline acquisition for the for for the Padres. I mean, it's 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 perfect. And you mentioned that pitching rotation, Snell, you Joe Musgrove, who well. was pitching like a Cy Young candidate at the start of the season. You Darvish, who's very very good, and you know, although he did Miami did some damage to you Darvish in the wild card series in twenty twenty, if you remember, still a very very good pitcher. But yeah, this so, is yeah. a very fun San Diego team. Just it's a very fun team, man. You know. It, if even if you're a Marlins fan or a fan of another team, you have to look at this team and say this is a really fun team. And not only them, but the Baltimore Orioles are really fun. Maybe we'll talk about them a bit if you want. But that's a team that's just surpassed Miami in terms of what the expectations were for them going into the rebuild and where they are now. But going back to the Padres, yeah, 
it was a very, very good trade. I think that the Padres kind of fleeced the Nationals. They should have, they could have, they should have gotten more for a guy like Juan Soto. He's a generational talent, top five, maybe even top three player in the game. You maybe should have given up a little bit more, but those prospects are going to be really, really good for the Washington Nationals. You also got Mackenzie Gore in that deal for the Nationals. So now a, a young, you're starting to build up a young rotation with Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, plus some of your minor leaguers that are in there. Robert Hassel is going to be good. CJ Abrams, I expect him to be right up with the team. I don't know if he already is, but that's going to be be a very good infield that they're building and their farm system is looking a lot better. And I think, I think his name is James Woods that he is going to, people are like calling him the next Aaron judge. So if, if they certainly indeed get that next Aaron judge, that Washington team in a couple of years, maybe three or four years is going to be a very, very scary team for the Marlins to face. Well, yeah, it's obviously both sides of the coin. When you make big blockbuster trades like that, you know, there's going to be the team that's winning it now or attempting to win it now. And then the only, on the other side of the coin is the team that's rebuilding or looking to build their future. And that's the gamble they pay as well. You know, obviously, uh, at some point, they were going to have to trade Juan Soto because he wanted out. So then the the gamble is uh, is now, as for the Nationals, is what package you get in return that can, you know, it, you can't be 100%, obviously. You can't predict the future for any of these prospects. But is how do we at least, the, the best way, guarantee a successful rebuild? You know, and, and like, as you mentioned, they got a nice haul in return. And now it's just, you know, development and seeing where it goes from there. But Andres, I want to talk to you because I know you're familiar with the, with a little bit of the West Coast baseball with the Giants. And I want to get your take on how this trade with Juan Soto affects the race in the West Coast with the Dodgers, Padres, the Giants. How does it, how does it look over there now? And how do you think that affects the, 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 that race in the division? Well, I guess, I guess the Giants, like... Um, se, se rindieron cuando, cuando primero no fueron agresivos en el mercado. Sucedió lo mismo que cuando estaba Bryce Harper en su momento. Los Giants lo querían. Eh, oh, se, wow, lo terminaron llevando, se lo terminaron llevando los Phillies. Y this happened again. Eh, el equipo no tiene un jugador franquicia desde Buster Posey. Y no lo van a tener. Y uh, cuando te das cuenta, entonces ahora tienes en los Dodgers a Mookie Betts, a uh, Tree Turner and Freddie Freeman, and then San Diego, Manny Machado, Tatis Jr., and now Juan Soto. And now you have Mike Jastrzemski, Joey Barr. That's not enough. Y no va a ser suficiente para, para vencer a, a estos dos equipos quizás en, en un par de años. Lo que sucedió en la temporada 2021, además del, del, de jugar béisbol, porque sí jugaron buen béisbol, fue, fue un toque de suerte. Y eso no va a suceder dos veces, ni tres veces. Va a ser muy difícil. Y creo que ahí los Giants ya dijeron, ¿sabes qué? Si clasificamos esta temporada bien, si no, no nos importa. Vamos a, a dejar a ver qué pasa. Y de hecho, el día de cuando era el trade deadline, estaban a cinco juegos de el wildcard. Ahora están tan solo, están a siete. Luego mm. de perder hoy contra los padres de San Diego. Eh... Sin embargo, creo que la rotación de los padres de San Diego aún no es la mejor. Creo que no es un equipo que está totalmente armado en cuanto a lanzadores se, abra, se habla. Creo que quizás ahí deben mejorar. Pero, y bueno, yo voy a decir un comentario donde la gente probablemente me, me puede insultar y me puede decir algo, lo que quiera. Pero yo creo que something happened with Tatis Jr. Creo, no creo que esté... No, no creo que vuelva a ser el Tatis Jr. de hace dos años, ni tres años. Creo que va a estar muy lejos de eso. Eh, 
ojalá no, ojalá me equivoque, porque es divertido verlo jugar, es divertido sí, sí. ver a San Diego con, con Tatis. Uh -huh. Pero creo que primero va a ser muy extraño ver ahora a Tatis Jr. jugar center fielding y no shortstop en el equipo. So is that a, so that's for sure then that he's going to be playing center field when he returns. Who's playing shortstop for for San Diego? Yeah, San Diego San Diego wants to change the position for Tatis Jr. Oh, interesting. Para evitar para evitar lesiones, so that's not my sense. Who say in, in the center field you can be injured? Like that's yeah, not my sense. You can get injured any position at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So eh, jugó Ayer creo fue cambiado de posición durante el juego de Triple A y okay. se esperaba que jugara centerfield. Al final creo que no jugó en el centerfield, sino shortstop. Eh, pero sí, eh, hay muchas posibilidades de ver a Tatis Jr. jugar en el centerfield esta temporada. Interesting. So yeah, that'll be a great thing to keep our eye on, especially when, the, when San Diego comes to town, to see how they utilize um, Tatis if he's already returned up to the big league level and how you know he's obviously electric in the infield with his you know at, at shortstop. It's you know he's he's still youthful he's still you know speedy so let's see you know it, it does pan he, you know he's athletic he's good with the glove let's see if it pans out at center field in the outfield that I am very interested to see that that's a great that's a great take right there not take that's a great point by Andres um seeing how San Diego will use one of the a member of their big three and that's another good point as well that you mentioned Andres for for I guess our West Coast baseball fans listening in. That the Giants have reeled a bit, you know, and it's just maybe a turn or a change in direction for the franchise. Seeing, okay, well, you know, right now in the moment we can't compete with these guys, um, San Diego and LA. Let's re and what I do respect about the Giants, and I will say this: they don't um, rebuild, they retool. And I feel like that's that's, that's what they're going to do this offseason. They're going to retool their roster to remain competitive. Because Andres mentioned before, they had an amazing season last year. They had an incredible season last year. So I feel like they just have to retool. The, the roster is aging a bit. So just re, um, just reshape that team to remain competitive because it's tough. It's an extremely tough division in baseball um, with, the, with the Padres and Dodgers there. Uh, but, guys, um, I, we're, we're wrapping up this episode, episode nine of First Pitch 305. Um, any final takes, any final thoughts um, entering this homestand? I know with the Marlins – Um, they have a seven-game homestand coming up. They just dropped tonight's game. Our final update of tonight's game: the Marlins lost four to three. JT Real Muto brought in uh, the winning run in the eighth um, to seal the deal for the Phillies. They win four to three, and Sandy gets the loss. But hey, it's another start that Sandy goes deep into the game. He did get some. He did get some run support, I guess. You know, but it's just going to be one of those tough seasons uh, to round off for him. You know, just for him when he goes out there, compete. You know, try your best. And be that leader in that rotation for next season because all eyes are going to be on him once again. So um, that's, I guess, my final thoughts for this episode. Kevin, uh, as we enter the homestand for the, against the Braves and, the, and then the Padres, uh, any take that you have with the young guys that we talked about earlier in the episode? What are your final thoughts for today's episode? Man, you just got to go watch them. You know, for the ones that aren't going to the stadium as often, I know the team isn't going to be fighting for a playoff spot, but... The tickets are cheap, man. The Marlins are doing deals almost <laughs> every day to go to these games. Go watch right. these young guys. JJ Blade is going to be really good. LeBlanc's going to be really good. Peyton Burdick is going to be really good. Making his home debut on Friday, so we'll be there for right. that first game. Point. So that's going to be a fun time. So that, that'll be fun. Sandy's mm -hmm. still really damn good. He's the best pitcher in baseball right now, and no one is near him at the moment. He will win the Cy Young, in my opinion. Uh, what else can we even talk about? You know, this great rotation. Every day you're, you're, you're pretty much solidified to have a good pitcher. 
Braxton Luzardo, who had an amazing outing, by the way, against Chicago. He is looking phenomenal since coming yeah. back. Edward Cabrera, another great outing in Chicago as well. I think he had 8K, zero hits. So we'll see how that goes. And he'll be having a tough test against the Braves, I think, is when he pitches once again. Or no, he pitches tomorrow, I believe, against um, the Phillies. So we'll be seeing that there and see how that goes. So, yeah, man, no, just go out to the games. I mean, I know the team isn't playing for much, but seeing the young guys and seeing how this team really builds it up, it, it's fun. And it, it's always a good time at the ballpark. You guys would know that. We'll be there Friday and for both games on Saturday. So we'll, Double we'll head see on what Saturday, we guys. Yeah. Our time from one game to another. Doubleheader on Saturday. Unfortunately, it's not a single admission doubleheader, which sucks. But we'll, we'll, yeah, it's it's still a good time. We'll see how it happens. One ten the first game, seven ten the other one. So that mm-hmm. that should be fun. Yeah, always great to have you on again. Thank you. And I forgot to congratulate you on here for winning Fish Stripes Jeopardy. Very well deserved. You're gonna. We need you back on this. Has to be on for the next one. So and, and I'll hopefully be able to compete and, and kind of make a run at it there because I, I've actually never won if they did not know this. Yeah, for our listeners, uh, um, wondering what uh, Kevin's talking about, the uh, Fish Stripes, the Fish Stripe family, they invited me to compete in their Marlins Jeopardy, and I was a a last minute call up. Uh, my number my, my number was called from the bench, and I won uh, Marlins Jeopardy, which was exciting. Yeah. You know, you know, I put my Marlins knowledge to the test, so now I needed to defend my crown, as Eli put it. I love how you put that crown on me on that photo on Twitter. I love it. Um, but I have to defend my crown. And I'm I'm excited to be part of the next episode. And yeah, hopefully Andres can join in as well and put his Marlins knowledge to the test. And uh, speaking of the Marlins, Andres, final thoughts for this episode and what's going on with the Marlins and this upcoming homestand. Your final takes. I I feel bad tonight just for seeing the lo- the lose on for Sunday. Yeah, but I want to say something. Kevin said, <laughs> um, go to the games. It's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the game with Sandy. Enjoy, enjoy the game with the kids. I'm gonna tell you something, guys. If, if you if you are going to the game and ninguno de los de los kids, ninguno like Patrick Bordek, Charles LeBlanc, or mm-hmm. JJ Bridey, that hit, yo me voy a encargar de comprarte dos cervezas. Me, me tienen que la persona que me la persona que me escriba en Twitter. Ese día no conecté, ninguno de los niños conecté hit. Yo me voy a encargar de bajar del press box e ir a comprarle dos cervezas a la persona que me busque en Twitter y me diga, mira, fui a este juego y ninguno conectó hit. Listo. Well, you heard, you heard it here, folks. If you, Andres will buy you two beers, but you got to find his name on Twitter. And I'll help you guys out. It's at Andres Bolivar. Make sure the Andres has two E's. A-N-D-R-E-E-S Bolivar. And there you go. So you make sure you hit him up. The, the, the young guys, LeBlanc, Blade, and Burdick, they cannot get a hit in those games. And then Andres will buy you a couple of, of cold ones. I do like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll be working those games, so I can't, I can't take up on that offer, but I wish I could. Um, but Because <laughs> who doesn't like drinking a cold one and watching a, a good quality baseball game? But that's going to do it for episode nine. That has uh, first pitch drill five. We have completed the trilogy. Kevin Barral from Fist Tribes. You can, you can see his amazing work with them. Andres Bolivar con las bases llenas. Amazing work for, for them as well. And I'm Alex Aguirre from Lemon City Live. A lot of Marlins content coming your way, guys, especially through Twitter for the upcoming homestand. So we appreciate all your support. And let's remember, guys, let's go fish. Hey, la